Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's coming round like a shockwave. The final round of the home and away season is upon us. When the fixture was crafted, Friday night had all manner of possibility. And the crowd tonight will likely reflect that. The trouble is the Bombers have ploughed into the wall late in the season and don't represent the same threat. It's it's impossible to see them in any mathematical circumstance playing finals. It's just got right out of hand. And last week showed that against the Giants. So there's a matter of playing for honour and for dignity tonight and for response after what transpired a week ago. For Collingwood, though, there, there is a sense of urgency just to tune up before September at a time where usually the Premiers are crafting for the Premiership run. They've just been spluttering and lost three of their past four. So there's plenty in this for the Pies. AFL Nation, this Friday night is from the MCG. It's Essendon and Collingwood. AFL Nation is for elders when listing your property. Think elders real estate and for tyre power, get the power and tackle road safety. Jared Waitley with you. Brad Johnson is with me. Hello to you, John. Oh, good evening, Jared. It's... Uh... It's an interesting watch tonight, I think, for, yes, the Essendon Footy Club, where they finish, and I know they've got some key senior players out. So we wait to see the how they go about their business tonight. But from a Collingwood perspective, no key defenders, and their form has just been scratchy at the moment. And I know it's off the, ba- the back of injury. They're still scoring well, but the Oppo are scoring well against them. So what we see tonight, is it just a pure shootout? Who are they up against because of where Essendon are finishing and they want to maybe play a high-attacking game? Or can they create some defensive structure that will set them up for the first week of, of September? That's what you'd like, isn't it? You'd want yes. some of their qualifying final markers to reveal tonight. themselves tonight. Absolutely. With key players to come back in in two weeks' time. Dermot Burton is by your side. Hello to you, Derm. Good evening, Jared. Good evening, Bradley and, and Dwayne Soon. I'm going to dumb it down here a second, Bradley. Okay. There's blood in the water. Just <laughs> go in there, Collingwood, in the sand, and it? maul them. <laughs> just, just, just destroy them so that they take all preseason to recover. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Well, it is a fair rivalry, isn't it, Jared? <laughs> yeah. Sort of, it does make a lot of sense. Well, it kind of does, but it, it plays very much to his demeanour. But <laughs> so someone's kicking ten tonight. <laughs> Just dismember them. Dwayne Russell, no, good rounds out our court ten. How you, Dwayne? Couldn't maul them any more than the Giants did last week, though. <laughs> yes, that's I the know. hard part for they're going to recover from that. It's I'm a little sad. Season's going to be over for so many fans. It's going to be interesting to see. Who Essendon fans back for after tonight to win this flag? It won't be Collingwood. It won't be Carlton. Will it? Uh, who would Essendon fans be happy to win the flag? Someone like Brisbane or Port Adelaide? They don't have to put up with them at work all year. It's going to be a bit sad for a few teams after this weekend. But it's going to be fun for the rest of us watching the finals because September does have probably eight teams that can win it. Righto. So the, the Collingwood side of things, they had these set of Friday night matches. Uh, historically, it is so unusual that the... The top side would splutter in such a manner in recent weeks. Mm. I feel like it's it's almost connoisseur's choices to how significant you want the doubts to be or whether you're holding faith and just waiting for that emotional trigger of a qualifying final. That's us on the outsiders. I think we've seen Craig McRae edgier than he has been at any stage Agreed. during his yeah. um, tenure, and that probably gives you the hint of, of the urgency to straighten a few it's things uncertainty out. Certainty for him. At this point in time, he's uncertain of when he's going to get his very best players back. Uh, And you're talking more is pivotal to the way they play. If you want blokes running off the back line, which was their killer, which was their one wood, the teams couldn't deal with. I don't know if you've ever been to the snow, but when you see four out of control snowboarders coming at you, which way do you run? (laughs) Um, That's what it was like with Collingwood Backman, but it took more to intercept Mark first and give it to them. So he doesn't know. 
But it's a little bit different when you've seen those four out-of-control snowboarders coming down for the 15th time. And that's where Collingwood's at right now. They're, they're out-of-control snowboarders are, are now facing people down the mountain who are ready for them to be out-of-control. And they've got a strategy to get out of their way or get in their way, one of the two. And that's, so well, that's, what the, doing that's the beauty getting, of an evolved season, isn't it? They're getting right up to them, yeah, squeezing up. And they're, they're risking easy goals way out the back. Mm. But they say if you let them run, get that first 20, 30 metres break, it's it's an avalanche. You can't stop them coming forward. So teams, Brisbane play it beautifully. Twice they've done it. Mm. All their halfbacks, their midfield, come up and squeeze behind it. So when those halfbacks, <laughs> led by some of the lesser lights like Noble, and uh, these boys just keep running. And when you get up, five metres away from them before they're in full flight running. Mm. You can actually put the stops on them, unlike when they're in 30, 40 metres under their belt. So that's where the, the league, the rest of the league, has got a sight on them. But there's plenty of times when they were at their very, very best. Everybody knew what they were doing. Everybody wanted to apply that type of defence to their ball movement. They just weren't capable of stopping it. No, but you've got the best of the best in the yeah. finals. And progressively yeah, harder each, right. each, each time you play in finals. Yep. Do you think they've... They probably haven't after listening to the discussion we've just had, but do you think the... Part of me thinks they were, they're setting themselves up for week one of the finals, though. Mm. Resting a couple of players when they, when they had to. So the mindset is top spot secured. What do we need to do to prepare our players individually, get them in, a, in the right spot, to go bang week one. But do they go of, back, of the bang finals? with Dacos on a halfback flank or go bang with Dacos in the middle? Because it depends on which one you're going to get. I mean, I th- Collingwood priest early season is different to Collingwood mid season. I kind of think Dacos on return, I'd be looking at halfback on, on return just to get some ball, get some run, get, get some float, get through that first final with a win and then start to progress him as he comes back from the leg injury to move back, back through the midfield as the final series goes on. I'm partially with you. I reckon when he first comes back in, he'll need a, a, an introduction to the field again. Mm. I think it'll be off the back flank. But the one thing I would, up on my board, when I'm looking forward at playing against Collingwood, what don't I have to deal with is Dacos in the middle. Mm. I, I don't know if I've got answers for his best football if he's in the middle. So once he reasserts himself as a back flanker with the run, the poise, the skill, the decision-making, then I think the opposition will be saying, well, it's only a matter of time till they push him into the middle. And that will happen in-game, not yep. not over the seven days. Yeah. So the, the way to have everyone abandon ship tonight would be for Essendon to beat Collingwood. <laughs> so I'm, I feel like I'm in your camp, yeah. Tono, is... They haven't had much to play for for a while. That's how they look. There's another count that says they've played their best footy already and they're on the other side of it. They, these stories will be written on hindsight. But if you want people to flee the sinking ship, is lose to Essendon tonight and there'll be there'll be doubts everywhere. When you haven't got Kelly Stringer, Caldwell, Guelphie, Wright and Draper in in your lineup, unfortunately as a, as a young Essendon group, they'd have parameters around what they'd be looking to stop Collingwood doing tonight. And it's just how long they can do it for, I think, from, from, a, from a coaching perspective around the Essendon Football Club. They'll try and hang in there early on, early in quarters potentially, when it's fresh, when Collingwood are fresh. How can we restrict them then? But as the grind comes into the quarter, into the game, that's when Collingwood need to start separating themselves from a, a team with all their senior players out. Yeah, you mentioned those players out. I think they performed incredibly well early in the year. Loved the way they were playing. In fact, they defended very well. Mm. Um, were scoring enough on occasion, but they're sitting 10th now. They're not the 10th best team in the, in the comp out of 18 now. They're, they're somewhere around 14, 15. Mm. So, and that's with a wounded list as well. So should Collingwood lose to them tonight? Yeah, I think you've got your, your sinking ship uh, uh, scenario there, analogy. Well and truly nailed. What are we going to make of Essendon's season? They were, they were absolute markers of progress. Yep. The gather round win over Melbourne sort of set them on their way after some good early season form. They had the the two huge game wins here. They beat um, Richmond in the Dreamtime and then they beat Carlton. Um, and the the form of each of those at the time. It's just but 
in what they were trying to grow into. They were great moments. And then Brad Scott saw that they were getting tired and they we saw that on a Friday into the night wall game. once yeah. they yeah. once he diagnosed that they were getting tired, that was it. It gave them an out to be tired as well. Um, yes, I, I, you know what? A lot of people have come for Brad Scott since that comment. He actually told the truth. It was searingly accurate. It's, we we smack coaches for telling us porkies. He told the truth. And mm. He's been he's been smacked. Well, hang on, turn. hang on. He he said that the season's too long. I'm not sure that's the truth. No, but that's his team might be tired. But he said the season's too long. It's not too long for Sydney. It's not too long for Hawthorne. It's not too long for Brisbane. So yes, he told us the truth about his team. But what, telling us the season is too long. I'm not sure that is the truth. Using it as an expression, when I say um, the grand finals, mm. uh, the, the Giants playing Richmond, that season went three quarters too long for the Giants. They just couldn't go any further. Uh, some teams, it just goes too long. The course they've plotted and charted, they're all in, and mm. they have to be all in at a certain time to actually bank enough wins and you use up a lot of petrol tickets doing that. They don't have the luxury of scheduling their players through the season. I think that's a bit of Essendon. They haven't had the luxury of scheduling their best players in terms of take a bit of workload out of the very best here, there, and so then they can reload. A team like Hawthorne, you mentioned them, I mean, they're a young, young team, and they look flat in the middle of the year. Grounds have hardened up now. They keep chopping and changing and throwing new kids in. Every kid that comes in is capable of running a 16-beep right mm. now. And so that's why they're running and finishing off the season pretty well. Got beaten by a much more experienced and better team last week. But the Bombers have had to be chips in, all in, right through to see how good they are. I think you'll find a better schedule season. That's when I say I agree with the season has gone too long for the journey that they, and that's on them, they have plotted. That's my mm. take on yeah, that. Yeah, I agree terminology. with that. But their preseason can't be adjusted from that. They, they, I don't think Essendon can be thinking, okay, we've we've petered out here at this point of the season. We need to go a little bit easier at this point of the preseason so we get to the get to the end. I think as a footy club, they've still got to start exceptionally well. Next like, year. Like the Saints did. The Saints did start well, and everyone thought they were going to fall off the perch. That's they right. They haven't fallen but off the perch. But they backed the wins. Yeah. And now, look, they're going to play finals, aren't they? Yeah. And they had a patch, like most sides have had a patch this year that was a bit shaky and, mm. and out of form So you can for a start well and finish well, can't you? Absolutely, you can. So, yeah. from, but from an Essendon point of view, I think, you look across their, their list, and the, uh, Draper's an All-Australian Ruckman in, in the making, I think, is with what he can produce from a, from a football perspective. But they've had some... Some real wins. Redmond across the season's been been excellent. Perkins, I think, has been been excellent and continue to grow as a as a, See, as I a thought player. He went flat. He has had his flat patches, but he's. Yeah. I think he's. Um, I've liked the way he's played his footy. Nick Martin continues to to impress Dur Durham as well. So we can can I just jump in on one of your players there? Yeah. And that is Big Sam Draper. Mm -hmm. You think about the times where we said this team's a whole lot better than we thought. That game against Melbourne in the gather round, uh, thereabouts, whenever they won a big game, he was, whether it was with 12 possessions or 18 possessions, he was irrepressible in the centre. His ability to just stomp his way out of the centre square, just bodily urging it on, I, th I think he's, he's so important to them. And without his fit body urging them through this back half of the season. I, I think that's been probably one of their biggest detractions in their, their incapability of covering him. Even though Phillips has done pretty well in his yeah, absence, he, he he's has. not Sam Draper. No, so then you want Peter Wright obviously having a big year next year. Nick Cox is the one I think that we're waiting for now. I think he's the one that has to get his body right. And, and even his positioning in the side I think has to be really looked at and assessed because he plays on the wing, that's fine. You know what he's his name is? half forward. But what? But what is? What's going to allow Nick Cox? Do you think then to become, take the next step? He's not going to become a star straight away. But what's going to take him to the next step towards that in his career? I, I think he genuinely has to learn a craft. Yeah, somewhere. So what? Whether what, it's a winger, whether is it, it's is it an aerial craft? Is it because he's got running ability and he's he's a tall wingman at the moment? But it's not. 
because of his body failing him and bits See, and pieces, right, he has no consistency. Yeah, look, I, I yeah, well, we watch every game every week, but I'm not intently looking at him. But I don't know what his best attribute is yet. Mm. He's tall and he can take a mark, but he won't take a pack mark, and that's obvious because of his size and shape. But I don't know what his best attribute is. Can can somebody tell me? And yeah, let's, so let's put him in a position where he can utilise that, and then he can actually really work on that craft and and be an expert in that position. But that's and excuse me, that's the exact question that the Bombers coaching staff need answered, and they need to work with him to to create this answer. Mm. That because I, I actually agree with you. Where is his best position? What what is he really going to to offer? I think there's plenty to offer. It's just working out for his own confidence sake, how he actually goes about achieving that. Because players like Nick Cox, and there's a few others within their side, if they can get some rapid growth out of that type of player on their list, that age bracket, then that's going to assist them to take the next step forward and, and look at finals footy again. The other thing is, uh, they are, look, everybody is screaming out for a true key forward. Peter Wright does incredibly well. He's the best and fairest. Or what do they call it? A Crichton medalist at, at Essendon. Yep. And... He he still is, though, a ruckman playing as a forward. They are screaming out for a genuine key forward, and whether that's Harry Jones. But Kyle Lang, could you imagine how good Kyle Langford would be as the third tall forward? It would be, be quite a proposition to actually take on Peter... Wright, it's six foot seven, who can clunk a mark and kicks beautifully. He takes four marks inside forward 50. He gets six shots at goal. You're going to get four or five goals out of him. And he's your second forward. You've got a key forward there, whether Harry Jones can rise into that. And then you've got Kyle Langford as your third hybrid forward, key forward. He's kicked 50 this year. Oh, oh, no, it's extraordinary. <laughs> It's a great return, isn't it? It's wonderful. So the, and, then, and then the rest of the blokes are pressure at ground level. It's got the makings of some damage. So, yeah, as I say, everybody has a wish list, and whether it is Harry Jones or whether they find one, another one, but you'd want to go fairly quickly. I can't see Kyle and Peter Wright being in that forward line in six years' time. So I, I don't know if it is somebody who is playing under le under 18 level right now. I don't know if you can wait for that type of development. Only twice this year Kyle Langford hasn't scored. That was round one and seven. Other than that, it's super consistent across across the season. So you're right. Someone like Kyle Langford who's enjoying a, the role that he's playing, mm. but with that one extra around him, and, and Weedham is not the answer. So you're right. It's, it's potentially finding the next... Uh, to support that, to make him the third and watch watch him be able to back this up because that's the key for Langford. Prior to this, 15 was the most in the season. So yeah. breakout massive in terms of goal output. But now the now the backup of this, the backup of this mightn't be 50 again, but it might be 35 to 45, which is still a great return for, for someone like Langford. Collingwood and Essendon is the starting off point for round 24. You'll hear the full call on AFL Nation tonight. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here, bigger and bolder. Book a test drive today. Visit hyundai.com.au or your local showroom. It shapes as a slightly odd final round, doesn't it? As the key moments on paper have been deprived of various bits and pieces. Um, Geelong have put all their blokes in for surgery, so, you know, the... The tension for the dogs to win for the first time in 20 years down the highway is not quite what it was. Is Melbourne and Essendon might be a dead rubber for Melbourne. Carlton and the Giants might be a dead rubber for the Blues. For all the possibilities when that fixture came out, we don't quite have what we imagined. Yeah, we just need to go back and get that goal right from last week at Football Park. Or it's not Football Park at the Adelaide Oval. It feels like we've gone back to the dark ages to have a look at our review system, so that's why Footy Park's probably in my mind, but um, yeah, if that was not what it was last Saturday night, it'd be a different world we're living in now, but the, if if the Bulldogs win, it adds a bit of context to the Giants, obviously, they could still win a home final, the Giants, even if the Bulldogs lose, uh, they've still got a home final up for grabs. The interesting part was is Sydney as well, I mean, depending on what happens, Sydney could host the final against the Giants at the SCG first week, if the Saints beat Brisbane it changes things for Port Adelaide and Melbourne as well. But if if the if Brisbane win and Port Adelaide win, and Melbourne will know that by the time they play their game, they their latter position probably can't change or can't change. So, you know, do, what do they do then? It takes the 
air out of them and probably adds a bit of weight for Sydney to be able to perform, especially if they decide, well, our ladder position can't change. Should we actually play? Where's Grundy been named? Has he been named emergency? Could you name Grundy as the sub and just sub Max Gorn out, give him half a game and half a game's rest? If your ladder position can't change, mm. you might be better off doing that. Get a half a game into Grundy and half a game off of uh, Max Gorn's year. Does it, does it make, make it folly the way we thought we could orchestrate round 24 to be excitement well, at every it, level? Because it's it, better it, than the EPL model of everyone playing at the same time, though, isn't it? Yep. I just feel sure. like it was a well, race. Well, let's have the debate, the philosophical debate. So not all at the yep. same time, but all games that have an impact on each other, mm. that would actually be the way to get this weekend to spark um, so that Melbourne don't know their fate and Carlton don't know their fate, to have them playing in concert with St Kilda and So we would have tonight, we'd have what? North Melbourne and the Gold Coast playing tonight because it's a dead rubble. No, we'll get that th- done on a Friday night. this one stands alone. Okay, this one stands because alone. Because Collingwood are locked. Okay, even though... yeah, if, And it has no relevance yeah, for Essendon. In theory, if Essendon win by a monster amount and Collingwood, they yeah, can drop no. to second, all that kind no. of stuff. Okay, so, so you can set, you can every separate game on a Saturday out. afternoon then. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think you could have three or four locked together that would absolutely... The only way to get tension out of them this weekend is to play them concurrently. And you'd have to wait until last week's round was done before yeah. you worked out which but games this week were going to be played on. I don't understand people's hesitation. We do that in the final series. Mm. Yeah, you, you have one week to plan mm. how it's going to be. Yeah. Or we have a wild card round and ninth and 10th are still alive this week and then all of a sudden we have that was the way. context. Geelong could still make it. I think Richmond could still make it. Adelaide's so, story would be the story this week. Yeah, because they could jump all the way back into the finals by smashing the West Coast and, and it would be perfect. In fact... Um, and the team that got left in seventh, it's a total disaster. Mm. So there are three yep. teams trying to squeeze five, six, seven. Carlton, St Kilda and Sydney. And the yep. team that got left in seventh, it would be a disaster for them. So are you prepared to just keep getting smashed on the text machine? 100%. Because the wild card round upsets so many people. It's only that bit, yes. We, you yeah. and I, both for it, and you and I both get smashed every time it gets raised. In fact, when a listener raises it, we get accused of putting that listener on <laughs> to support our point, which isn't the case, but That's fair right. enough, the conspiracy <laughs> theorists believe yeah. we're pushing I, I for it. That. And then we get told the AFL is ringing us and saying, can you push <laughs> this, well, Jared, can you push the wild card round for us? That's well, right. You're a puppet of the AFL. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh, no, that's, oh, that's Derby's text coming in, Dwayne. <laughs> See, I love footy. So next weekend, I would much prefer two games than no games. So that, yeah, that's my you. starting point. Yeah. I love footy. I love watching games of yeah. footy. So that's, and then you have to frame it right. You're not in the finals if you make ninth and tenth. You're not in the finals if you make seventh and eighth. You have to play your way into the finals, and then you get the maximum celebration out of those two games. So please keep running with your editorial. I know I heard it again Wednesday yeah. this week. I'm you with to, you. You have to draw it up yeah. to actually get it in your mind. So, so the no brigade have got no willingness to have a look at what it would be. But it's really interesting this weekend. Yeah, the Cats wouldn't put people out for surgery. No They'd be way. playing their, that, for their lives. That would be a proper game. Yeah. And that would be a straight eliminator. Winner goes into the, wild card, the play-in games, mm. loses out. And Adelaide coming from 13th. Imagine their week. Mm. Totally done over by the system. Have your minute to vent. And then we move on. Well, what are we moving on to? We're moving on to winning our place back, mm. 9th or 10th. And instead, they're just playing for oblivion. And it, where it's used around the world, it's actually used as a little bit of an insurance policy to guard against um, unforeseen events, bad draws, too many good teams in one area, too many bad teams in another area. All the things that affect our league are the reasons why you would have it at the end. They say 24 rounds is enough. Well, it hasn't proven to be enough, has it? Is Andrew Dillon a favour? Uh, I don't. I don't really. Oh yeah, he put it back I get on the, the table. Feeling he is. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll have it one year. It'll take a few more years to happen, and then we'll either love it and mm. stick with it, and there'll be two crowds of 90,000 people who have the two of the best games of the year, and we'll go, oh, why did we resist that again? Just, <laughs> just remind me why yeah, we resisted exactly. that again. So, but we do love we do love a no, but there's no tradition when it comes to these things. Final series has never been presented to us as one go. We've had two variations of the eight. We've had three different ways of doing. So there's nothing to uphold as a tradition. We're just holding back entertainment. I can remember the final we'll four, Jared. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, we're going to have Josh Dacos. He's playing his 100th game. He's about to join us. The AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. The new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks.
Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. We're at the MCG for Essendon and Collingwood and it is our great honour tonight to have the man who's about to play his 100th game and hopefully on Wednesday night become an All-Australian for the first time. Josh Dacos, Josh, it's great to have you on AFL Nation. Congratulations on 100 games. Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. Good to be talking to you. Does it feel like it's come around quickly? It definitely has the last couple of seasons, been able to string together a few few games, but definitely taken me a while. This is my seventh season now, but um, yeah, been an awesome journey and um, yeah, can't thank everyone enough for the people that have been there for it. Josh, congratulations as well on, on 100 games. The growth in your game has been, uh, it's been a great climb the, the last few years. What are the main things you, you've focused on in terms of working on? Was it skill-based? Was it your running combination? What, what are the main aspects that you, you've really focused on? Yeah, Brad, I think it was a few things, like you said. I think just my running, um, yeah, keep working on my skills and probably just the confidence um, to come out on the G and do it. That's a, that's a whole other thing. So um, it definitely took me a while to cement my spot in the team. And, um, you know, it's one that I just, you know, really um, haven't taken for granted, one that I want to keep. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've loved the journey with the boys. And it's, it's great to be a part of a club that, um, you know, we strive to get better as individuals every day. And as a team, uh, I think it shows. Josh, talk us about yeah, talk us through your, your wing role. What what's your first thought? Is your first thought to to support defence? Are you, is that your starting point for, for the wing, or are you just playing it out and, and just seeing how things unfold during the game? It's <laughs> a good question. It depends who you ask. But um, no, I, I definitely try and read the game. Obviously, first thought um, is what's happening with the ball. You know, how many do they look like they're going to win it? Do we look like we're going to win it? Because with the wing, um, you've got to equalise pretty hard um, to prevent them from getting easy exits, but you also need to help the backs and get back pretty hard. So um, it's definitely a balance of the two, um, but I love to play on instinct and, um, yeah, try and read the ball and see where it's going before, um, I guess, my opposition player does. Josh Dermott here. Congratulations, mate. I've followed your career, your journey really eagerly. I've watched you in the under-18 competition. It's a... It's a far cry from that lad who used to kick the ball and rock onto his back foot and admire his kick go down the field and think, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember, I remember one of the games you were watching, I reckon. Um, I remember getting that, that advice from you or that commentary and I remember, um, yeah, not really noticing it. It's something that I'd done all throughout a junior, but it definitely um, was awesome for me. So thank you for that. And yeah, I guess it's been, like I said, an awesome journey, obviously, when I came in, I was a bit um, raw and, and underdone in, in, in many facets of the game, but it's just good to be out here playing, and um, it's something yeah I love doing every week with the boys. Absolutely, mate. It's the best time of your life. A lot of people will say, what a head start this kid got. His old man is actually Peter Dacos. <laughs> How much? I mean, don't give us the glib, oh, yeah, Dad's always encouraged us and yada, yada. How much did Dad say, start on this side, step off this foot, try this angle? Get, work it in this way. How much intricate knowledge has the great Peter? All the your time, Dan. All the time. He, uh, he's always, um, from day one, ever, ever since I've been a junior, um, just because of his passion for the game. And obviously it bled through to Nick and I. And it's been amazing. Um, obviously got a head start with having Dad. And I think all, all the intricate details of the game he learned over the years, he's, he's passed on to Nick and I. So we're very fortunate. And um, obviously being father-sons, um, getting to the club, We've been, we've been very lucky and we just try and work really hard, both of us, um, to make Dad and all the fans and, and family proud. So, doing that. Um, yeah, he's been awesome. I, Nick and I definitely wouldn't be here without him. How many times will we see Mum and Dad on the TV tonight? <laughs> Hopefully I can kick a few goals and I'm sure you'll see Dad knocking over a few chairs or um, probably having his 20th beer of the night. So he loves it. He, he has a great time with Mum. Mum has to uh, tell him to calm down a little bit. He rides every bump. But... Um, yeah, it's awesome. It is. It's pretty crazy to see them up on the big screen when Nick and I are running around <laughs> on the ground and seeing them celebrate. So it's, uh, it's definitely um, some great memories to look back on. Josh, it looks so natural now. If you took us back to those first three years, so it's 17 games in the first three years, did you, in your development, did you have, um, did you have doubts? Did you have determination? How, how hard was it to make the breakthrough early on? Yeah, really hard. I found it um, really tough and it was something that I really struggled with. I just, um, yeah, like I probably had a bit of delusional confidence in my early years and thought I was up to it and, and thought I had it. But, um, yeah, found out pretty pretty quickly coming into AFL just how different it is quick and um, how competitive it is. So it definitely took me a while to, to get there. And, um, yeah, I look back on it and, you know, just 
the maturity over the years, thanks to you know all my teammates, coaches, um, and obviously family. I, you know, I just I can't thank them enough for being patient and um, yeah, allowing me to to grow as a person. Can you pinpoint when it happened for you? When when you actually grew into it and you knew that you were going to be able to make it? Yeah, I think um, going into my 2020 season um, into the harbour, I had a really bad third year. I just couldn't get a game and had. Um, Sorry, Zach. Stress factory in my foot. So I need at the end of the year. And um, obviously, 17 games in three years and then um, a surgery to my foot. Um, I was pretty down for a little bit, but um, put in you know, a good block of preseason. And at the time, um, having Banger Harvey as a midfield coach instilled a lot of belief, as, as well as Gary Hocking. And I think from there, I haven't really looked back. I think going to the wing, um, playing with great midfielders like Scotty Pendlebury, Taylor Adams. Um, obviously, I had Brody Grundy and Adam Trelaw there for those years. So it's been awesome to learn off so many of them. And I think that was probably where, you know, my confidence grew as a player. Now, I, I'll just take you back a little bit. I had the great fortune of playing State of Origin with your father, Peter. He, he was a magician. There's not too many people can say they invented a kick which is routinely used in the, in a, in a, the eras after, the way he was able to dribble the ball around the corner. He was the first I ever saw to use that. Not only was he a magician, he was, he, he was scientific about the game and how to get through it. In your soul as a footballer, how would you describe yourself? Is it worker? Is it magician? What is it? <laughs> I'm not too sure. I'm definitely, I'm definitely not a magician, a magician or anywhere close to dad. Dad's, yeah, dad's very unique to this day. Still, yeah. um, obviously, we don't get to go for a kick too often. Nick, dad, and I, with Nick and I, um, doing football as a job. But occasionally, we'll go to the park, and somehow he still finds a way to, to get it through the big sticks. He'll through from the boundary, do whatever, and he's just unbelievable. He's just got a knack for the goals. And um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Obviously, Nick and I have had a few. Highlights that, um, you know, obviously not like Dad's, but they're similar in a way. And I think, you know, the way we move can be a little bit similar. So I'm not too sure. Hopefully uh, over the next next seven years I can, uh, yeah, continue to build towards something. Sometimes we had to stand back. I remember playing at Prince's Park and he kicked a torpedo from five metres in from the boundary line on the wrong side of a right footer. And it curled about 10, 15 metres from right to left and still went through. And as we all jogged back to the middle, he, he kicked it about 50, 55 metres. And as we jogged back to the middle, I remember thinking to myself, that was just a brief cheer. It could be the best <laughs> torpedo punt I think I've ever seen in my life. He was that good, your old man. It, it is funny because a few of the boys will occasionally come across his highlights. I know Tommy Mitchell probably a month ago said it to me and he'd just bring up some of the barrels he kicked in disbelief. And um, Nick, Occasionally Nick and I will look at it and it's just crazy. You know, he'll have forwards hitting up at him open and he'll kick it over their head for a goal. So yes. times have definitely changed. Oh, to play footy in those days. <laughs> Josh, it's great to have you with us ahead of your 100 game. Good luck tonight and good luck for all that's to come. Thanks guys. Thanks for a great chat. Good Josh Dacos with us down on the boundary. This is the AFL Nation pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. The new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks. Essendon and Collingwood at the MCG to start round 24. AFL Nation for Elders Real Estate and for Tire Power. Get the power and tackle road safety. Great to talk to Josh Dacos there. It'll be, I think it's only the Corns brothers have been all Australian in the same team in 2007. And surely on Wednesday night, yep. both Dacos brothers are there. Totally agree. Extraordinary year. Yeah, wonderful. It's good that we'll have two pure wingmen, I think, this year as well, who have actually earned their spot in that role. So there's a there's a couple of inside mids potentially that miss out because or get pushed to a bench because of what Errol Goulden has produced for the Sydney Swans and what Josh Dacos has done here at uh, the Collingwood, Collingwood Footy Club. So awesome, awesome season by both those players, but Josh has been outstanding. Such a nice young man too, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> He's very chatty. Yeah. Uh, so, so some of the topics of the week and where it leaves us heading into the final round. Do we do we feel any more confident in the score of your system, Dwayne, with one extra senior official going into the arc to chat to people in real time? Well, we know that there won't be goal umpires just uh, going on their gut feel and their eyes and their ears. Now they'll be double-checking. A bit like we have maybe doctors double-checking now after what happened a few weeks ago as well. And I'm all for the little delay and the extra review that shouldn't have been a review because it obviously hit the post just so we don't get the one in the million shot that happened last week, mm. yeah. I'm so if we it. won't get that again, no. we'll just get some other calamity. And it mightn't be for the rest of this year, but if they don't make a proper system by next year, it will just keep just spasmodically having these moments. And your proper system is? Is it is it chipping the ball in time or not? 
Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. As well as all the safety net measures. Mm. So I think that the study of other sports around the world is pretty compelling. The NFL sends everything to the booth in the last two minutes. We, we flash Will a we five get the two-minute minute system here then? No, we, we flash five minutes on the scoreboard as yep. a sponsor thing. So it's, it's apropos of nothing. Yep. That would be the trigger to go, everything now gets reviewed in the arc. Mm. And the NHL system of, of just, if as soon as you recognise the mistake, eight seconds later and the ball's on the wing, you just blow it up. So Gil Back said it goes this week, and you reset goes, the clock. Gil said this week it was a human error, not a system flaw. Uh, it's a human error born out of systematic failure from day one. You've looked into resetting the clock. There's no issue with resetting the clock. I've had a chat to timekeepers who say that it can be done. Yes, it yep. can be done. And it's a, okay. even if it can't be done now, it's a simple cost fix. Other sports reset the clock. So it's just going to cost an amount of money, and then we can re- reset our clock, put 10 seconds back on the clock. Of course it can. That's yep. a, that's a, that is an easy fix. Yeah. And I don't mind that either. I mean, if our game progresses to the point that we get – that as part of our game, you know, three passages of play down the field. I mean, you know, we're in talkback radio. We've had callers saying, "What if the other team scores a goal?" Well, that's all right. Ice hockey deals with that all the time. Yeah, they go, no, yeah. <laughs> we're just going back to correct mm. the first error. Yeah. So this, and everyone just accepts that phase of play won't yeah. exist. And basketball does it twenty minutes later. They say, "Hang on, <laughs> his foot was on the line for that three pointer. We're taking one." So even though there's only two minutes left in the game. That three-pointer that he scored was seven minutes left. Wasn't a three-pointer. It was two. It doesn't control our game this, though. That's the thing. It's it's the odd occasion, really. Like, even when we even when a goal is scored and it goes back to the middle, yeah. it's very rare that it gets, obviously, the call's mm. made, that it goes back to the, as a point is called. So, so Brent, Brent Rosebury was in charge of a game that I did a few weeks ago and asked him this on air. So, the ball was either touched or stayed in play it was either touched and went over the behind line or it stayed in play. They weren't sure. And then the play continued and then it rolled out of bounds. And after it rolled out of bounds, they went back and checked it on the video. So they actually, after a stoppage, did go back. But because it was instantaneous, the ball then, after staying in play, rolling out, and only one or two seconds were on the clock, they could go back and check it. They had the obviously the okay to do it. They did check it. It didn't go across the behind line. It wasn't a point. And they threw it in, and so that. But they weren't going. To, if it had gone through for a point, and they go back and kick they were going in, to count they, the point. They were, but they, they were weren't going to, going to reset the clock, were they? No. And I know you've been big on this, and, and so have I around centre bounce, and yeah. we lose two seconds every time it's a, it's a, a wrong bounce. Yeah. So why why can we make a call if we can't reset a clock? Because it's only a minute. It's only a minuscule part of the game. But if you add up well, five mistakes in the game, the it's ten. I think it can. They can reset it, but it doesn't reset automatically. It resets. In time. So they need to make up two seconds somewhere. And for some strange reason, they can do it in the next minute so of they play. Step, before they press go again, they go 1-1,000, one, 2-1,000. One so all this is, is does the game want to spend money on technology or not? Because yes. there are plenty of sports around the world who don't have to go through that process, Dwayne. They're yep. just able to reset the clock at this particular time because yep. this is where it stopped. And this is the whole point, is we don't have any cameras dedicated to a score review. None. We just use the broadcast vision. That's not what a score si- review system looks like around the world. No, you don't use the camera from the kid in the crowd behind the goal no. that actually gave you a clearer vision and than the, the that's AFL right. camera. So that tells you that the angle that was missing on the Petrarca kick was the phone in the cheer squad. <laughs> so that's the angle. Where's that angle? There's, no, we've worked it out. So instead of having the phone number for antisocial behaviour, oh. we have a phone number phone in <laughs> to, send, to send, send in vision. We'll, we'll so email they... you a result later in the night as to what the, how that ended. So the, the bottom line is they will spend the money now. No, I don't, I don't know. Oh, but right. this is, they have to front up to it and spend the money. Yep. We know what the league is worth. We, we've done the new rights deal. It's $4.5 billion. You should have as close to as perfection as you can get with all angles required. And the other aspect of it is we, we first want the human interaction to make it pretty, pretty instantaneous. We're the only goal-kicking football code that has one goal umpire. 
Get two more. Get get one more, sorry. One to stand on each post. That's a better view. That goal umpire last week probably gets a better feel for it because there's two looking at several different angles of that, and they probably make the right call if there are two goal umpires, one on mm-hmm. each goal post. Yeah, Ron Barassi was advocating for this And I held against ago. it, and I've caved in right. eventually <laughs> to Ron's call on it. And you know what? I, I'm, it's, as time goes why by... Have, why haven't we gone down that path? Aesthetically, it's not going to change the way Because we're unique. So we won't do that now. What, what will end up happening is this week will trigger a sequence of events that will have... Goal umpires as ceremonial flag wavers in the future. They'll, they'll just be signalling what they're told to signal. And the new tech will be goal line technology to decipher whether the ball went across the line as well in well, time. It depends what the league is prepared to. How serious do they treat the competition? What status does it hold? Is it worthy of that level of investment? Well, of course it is, but there's never been any willingness to do it. Mm. It has to be now. That's just two years in a row now. An elimination so, final last year. And we sunk a team in South Australia this year. And the issue then becomes if we, we go to gather around and go to a country venue, for example, playing for points that they mightn't have the ability to set up. Well, you have to spend the money, That's, don't know. Okay. All it is is money. Yeah. So if, are I'm, and pre- I'm happy with that. Do we value the scoring in the game enough that every game counts and every score matters? Mm. That, that's the philosophical... Um, yeah, because we can't have a mistake at any venue. No, that, that's, that's this is the point. threshold we have to... Are we prepared to get everything that can be right, right? Mm. Or are we prepared to just sort of waffle along and go, oh, that's fine, it doesn't matter really, this is 201 score reviews, and uh, who, who cares whether they're umpires? No, come on. Yep. Match the seriousness of the competition uh, and spend the money. Um, and if it's a $10 million investment, show me where the money would be better spent well, than that. It's, it's spot on because a mate of mine was in the crowd Adelaide, Sydney, last week, and and Sydney supporter, and copped it like it was his fault <laughs> for what happened on that particular game. So we are lucky we don't have well, we have a little bit of violence, but we are lucky we don't have crowd violence as a regular thing in our game. Mm. Went to a Crystal Palace v Millwall game once. Let's not get it to that stage. Actually, that was the most electrifying football game I've ever been okay. to, and I I still don't understand what happened out there. <laughs> But the crowd was electric. <laughs> because That's the anger, level. the crowd, the Adelaide Crows' anger, I would be angry. I'd still be angry now. I'm not a forgetter either. I'm not a forgiver and a forgetter. Uh, this would be a hole in my soul for the rest of my life if I was a Crow supporter. <laughs> you accumulate them as you go. Yeah, even though, even though if you had to reset the clock and at 70 seconds and the Swans go down and score, but it's not okay. Sydney's that, fault. That, if they take that, it off us, that's fine. That's okay. So for we did own it, it for a little yes. while. We did own it for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to rile you when I speak to you on Thursday afternoons when I say, let it go, <laughs> yeah, no, Let it well, go. Well, it goes back to 84 when I cost Port a grand final. That's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get over it. That's okay. I still live it now. That's all right. He's held on to something for 30 Went to Fiji for a trip uh, about a year after, and someone said to me in the street in Fiji, you're Dwayne Russell, aren't you? And I said, yeah. I said, you cost us the 84 grand final. (laughs) Fiji. (laughs) No. You'd think you'd go to Fiji and be safe, wouldn't you? (laughs) You'd think so. (laughs) The Coral Coast, mate, it's a safe place. (laughs) Oh, no. There's a few of those types of things at AFL which groups of supporters never let go. (laughs) Jamie Shanahan, St Kilda supporters have never forgiven him for the game he played on 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 Jarman Jarman in the last quarter. And he was it was the coach's box. He was ill equipped to play on a man of that style and nature. But coaches but but players will never let sorry, supporters never let go of those types (laughs) of things. Should have won four flags. They had Brisbane beaten at the Gabba, didn't they? Last uh, two years ago, the elimination final last yeah. year. Yeah, so that's part of it. I did get in our conversation during the week. I got a text from Terry and Kangaroo Ground, who pointed out that Adelaide <laughs> didn't mind too much when they made their way into a grand final and thus won a premiership on a goal umpiring yes, era. Exactly. That's a very the league good point from, Mark that wasn't. from Terry from There's Kangaroo Ground. <laughs> yeah, league against Adelaide. Yes, it sure was. He went early, didn't he? Liver. He was. Chaired off the ground and mm. quickly put him down to take up his spot in the well, goal. Wayne Harms' pocket. That's the thing. Not we, forgetting that in hurry, we, are they? We got caught out <laughs> celebrating and Adelaide went, went down and kicked the, kicked the, goal, kicked the goal on us. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
Oh, I don't want to go down that let track. Let it go, Dwayne. I've yeah, got to let go. that go too. Yep. I don't think I'll ever will. No, no. <laughs> no I was in the golf square. Scars dude. on the soul. Oh, last. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the um, Simon Goodwin extension? Two years, so already had next year. Two more, make him a ten-year coach at Melbourne and reward for three consecutive top four finishes and for the flag that's already been won. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the right reward for for Simon Goodwin. I think it's the perfect length of extension as well and. They're still in a in a window, I think, over the next twelve months or so to, to win a flag. They could win it this year if they if they get the I, the I, right role and the and the right matchups. Vossi's next. Say... Vossi next. He's only got next year left. Yeah. Matthew Nick's only got next year left. So they won't let them coach into the last year either, will they? Nope. No, nope. there'll be summer conversations that'll be pretty straightforward from here. You don't think Cookie might do it this week? No, no. Okay. I just think they'd let their I just think they'd let their year finish now and then sit down and, and all do it together. You mentioned Goody. Would you say that they have the best list in the AFL? They have in probably three of the last three. Are they the best list this year? I nearly said they've got the best spine in the list, but they're missing still one one uh, part uh, of that uh, is full yeah. forward. Yeah. Unless you throw Bailey Fritz to full forward. But I think the move of Simon Goodwin's done this year with Petrarca late to to forward has been one of the moves of the year. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Friday night footy at the start of round 24. Essendon and Collingwood's AFL Nation is for Elders Real Estate and for tyre power. Get the power and tackle road safety. The teams are in. They are as selected. Anthony McDonald tipping Woody as the sub for Essendon as he takes his final moment in league footy. And Finlay McRae is the sub for Collingwood, so no late changes. We're going to touch base with the Bombers camp in a few moments' time. There is a there's a deep fascination around tomorrow and North Melbourne's approach to a game. Is part part of it makes me laugh. This is a team that hasn't won since round two. There's this <laughs> assumption that they're going to have to try to lose. Huh. I'm going to run counter that and say we've had 20 weeks worth of evidence to say they'll be just fine losing under their own steam. They play the Suns, who are missing a few. Said and that about the Bulldogs last week. The clearly, clearly the right result is finishing with the number one draft pick. <laughs> and if they don't have to manipulate it, then all the better. Well, coaches have an out now. You can take your goal scorer off and rest him. So if, if a player these days has kicked five and a quarter, you still have to take him off for his rest. So this is the thing, so. because they, they've got potential rising star winner playing in this game who could finish off strong, and a full forward who's kicked 62 goals. If he kicks five or six... There's a spot in the All-Australian bench for, for Nick Larky, I think. So there's a, there's a little bit in it for a couple of individuals to play well. But Adelaide took Walker off when he kicked nine. So Walker had nine and they took him <laughs> off and put him on the bench. So there's precedent there for guys yeah. being rested even well, when they're hot. Or he kicks five or six early and then take him, take him off. But, yeah, this has got Gold Coast written all over it. But the, the fact that it's down in Hobart as well, like it, North Melbourne <laughs> usually go pretty well. I don't think down there. you could strategically coach North Melbourne to win this one. I think it'll, if it is, it'll be done by a good old-fashioned slog and by motivation. And Clarkson mm. is very, very good on those occasions. We, we all saw him run around the... Canberra Stadium with his shirt oh, off he and too. he gives his teams Chris a Fagan reason well. to emotionally rise to the occasion. And if you're North Melbourne and you know you this is the only game you'll play for the next six months, you might give everything you've got in your soul, Bradley. You might, you just might mm. give everything. So should the Gold Coast Suns players, though, <laughs> that, that have a new coach watching. and Yeah, and... Why, why wouldn't they? Coming out of 22 degrees and going down to playing seven. Mm. The Suns did just lead Carlton by 40 points and got beaten on the last yeah, yeah, mark true. of the game. I, I mean, their form, they're going to beat North Melbourne. They should. But they we're, we're going to look at it and go, oh, North Melbourne tried not no. to win. Yeah, no, North Melbourne just fine losing on their own. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. They, they don't need any help. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> and the layers that are going to be, that That's are the... being put over it, I actually think are, a, a, well, they sort of ignore a reality and haven't won since round two. Um, I just went to the percentage to try and give them an out, but they, they can't even just win because their West Coast percentage is 52.5. Mm. Oh, the best chance they had, they, they went 81 interchanges. They were ahead then. <laughs> seconds to spare. <laughs> 
So you'd say it's just the same mistake again. If oh, that's let's do it again. Oh, oh, we're, we're, we're eight goals up. I we, believe it. We changed. We took 81 <laughs> changes. Hmm. Hang on, but they only got one free kick. Yeah, we did it to 87 interchanges. <laughs> did you think uh, Clarko had a shot at... Gold Coast to fire the Suns up further just to make sure <laughs> yeah, they're not ready yes. for North Melbourne. We'll show you. <laughs> good to see he's got the fire back in the belly, though. That's always nice. Yeah. I want Clarko to be Clarko. Yeah. You have to petition for all you're worth at this mm, stage. Absolutely. It's, it's not in your control what assistance you're going to get, but you have to be demanding everything. Well, they finished last, last, second, last, and last in their last in their four seasons, including this one. And I think Campbell Brown gave me the stat today that Ben Mackay has played in seven wins in his eight years at the club. Seven wins. Wow. Seven wins. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, that, that can sort of destroy you a bit, oh, can't yeah. it? I, I, I get that. I get that part of it. Yeah. But they need help. Yeah. I, I'm with the help for North idea. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Dwayne. And I, I, we do vacillate on this from time to time. But I don't think it's good when you have an 18-team competition and you have a season like this one where you, those teams around 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, mm. you are benefited to be one of the finalists, eventual finalists, by virtue of the fact that you played against one of mm. those 17th-placed and 18th-placed teams twice. All right, we're going to head downstairs into the Essendon camp. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Book a test drive today. Visit hyundai.com.au or your local showroom. Jordan Ridley is with us, injured Bombers defender. Jordan, great to have you with us on AFL Nation. Oh, thanks for having me. How, is it a bit grim sort of having to watch on the last the last chance for the season for your side? Uh, it certainly is. I think uh, as a player, you always want to be out there and Really enjoy being out in the out in the ground, so yeah, it can be pretty frustrating at times not being able to be out there and, and help the boys out. And Jordan, it's a big night tonight for Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. I think it's great that the club. Uh, I know he's starting his sub, but still that opportunity to play one last time at the MCG. Yeah, it's uh, it's into uh, an, uh, an amazing career for Anthony. Uh, I think he he's a pretty awesome story when you look back at uh, sort of where he's come from and and where he's got to. I think he's uh, been a a really important player for us for a long period of time and um, certainly uh, someone that I get along with really well and have enjoyed playing with. Jordan, there is a conception that, a misconception actually, that from the club football, that AFL athletes, you know, we just turn up to the, the ground and we turn up to training, we're automatically invested and we're, we're up and ready for the next contest. That's not true. You still have to pick up the pieces if a league team gets smashed around. And you guys were smashed around last week. So what has transpired at the club to make these young players feel good about themselves that they can challenge tonight? Uh, obviously, yeah, last week was pretty disappointing and, and not the level we expect. And I think uh, we've shown pretty much most of the year that it's, uh, it's a performance unlike us. But I think we, uh, we've reviewed it really hard and, uh, and really gone to work it what we were missing last week and so yeah hopefully the boys can put it together and uh, put in a really good performance tonight. How did that sound? Was it on a team level? Were there individuals? I won't ask for names and I know you won't give me names but was there individuals pointed out in front of the group? Is it total just we? What, how does that sound when you say it was pulled apart? Uh, yeah in, in terms of uh, from a team perspective it was more of a, of a we sort of thing and then Obviously, you have your individual reviews as well, which, uh, um, yeah, we're pretty confronting for some boys. So um, it was certainly looked at. And then you get the response tonight, hopefully, from those players, Jordan. That's the, that's the aspect of, of why we, the game is reviewed so intensely internally. But key, key players out tonight, some young players with some, some, some opportunity. And as you know, the, the 22 that are out here tonight aren't the 22 to start next year, and some won't even possibly be, be on the list. So it is a big night for some individual players. Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, it's certainly exciting. I think, uh, especially after last week, uh, I think it's really exciting uh, for those boys to um, yeah come out and represent the club and and yeah really play for, play for some pride and put in a really good performance. You've you've played you played a high standard, Jordan. You you won the best and fairest early in your in your career. What when you think about your game and I know you're out injured at the moment and just thinking about okay a break and then coming back to the preseason, what are the growth areas that you really want to start to focus on to go to another level as a player? 
I think it's uh, a lot of it is the the same stuff as usual. Just come back uh, a bit fitter, a bit stronger, and a bit faster. I think uh, for me there'll be uh, sort of this off season a pretty big focus on resilience and just getting my body right after the year I've had and and making sure that I'm a bit less uh, injury prone in, in years to come. But um, also I think I'd like to work on my leadership a bit and um, just yeah hopefully have more of an influence around the place. John. Did you experience, did you feel like you're getting tired and the season went a bit long for you? Or was that, that, that we were trying to dissect the coach's words and I thought it was refreshingly honest by him. H how does that manifest? How does it actually sound to you? The season went a bit long for us, we're tired. Uh, yeah, I think I've certainly sort of seen aspects of that. I, I would agree with, with Brad on um, the comments he made last week. Um, probably for me, personally, it was probably a little bit different. Um, had a few weeks off in, in different points over the year, so I was sort of able to reset. So my body was feeling pretty good for most of the year. And Zach Merritt, he's, I think he's captained so well this year. and he, I know he's been a leader around the group for, for some time, Jordan, but... Where have you seen Zach taking over, taking that, that responsibility and, and some of the positive attributes he's brought to the table? Yeah, I think he, he's been exceptional. He's done a, a fantastic job this year and obviously he's a, he's a superstar player and he's sort of the, the player you want to run out with and want to follow. Um, but I certainly think that he hasn't um, necessarily changed too much. He's sort of just kept being himself um, over the course of the year. But um, in saying that, his leadership certainly improved and um, I think he's done a stellar job as captain this year. Now, you're all mates and you chat amongst yourselves. You had a chat to Darcy Parrish about where he's going to be playing in round one next year? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully at Essendon. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm not sure what he's doing. But, yeah, I'd like to think he'd, he'd stay in the red and black. Well, let's see how honest you are. If he doesn't, what do you reckon he's worth on a draft pick? <laughs> oh, th thankfully, that's not my job. So I have no <laughs> Good idea. answer, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, great to have you with us. Good luck for the summer, and we'll, uh, we'll see you back on the field next year. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Jordan Ridley, injured at Bomber Defender, and they have missed him. The correct answer was pick one. Because yeah. if he stays, <laughs> I, I just told the world you're worth pick one. And if he goes, well, yeah. he was worth pick one. No yeah. downside Two first rounders. Yeah. <laughs> Our major partner is the TAC drink driving. Chances are you'll be caught, TAC. Uh, both teams are going through their warm-ups at the moment. We're in the countdown to Friday night footy on the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. The new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. The topics of the week are before us before we get right into round 24 and give you the full preview for the Bombers and the Pies tonight. Uh, do you expect the Suns to play finals first up under Damien Hardwick, Jono? No, I don't. But I'd probably expect them to get themselves into 11 or 12 wins next year so they'll be on the cusp but i don't see them jumping all the sides that are in around that spot at the moment above them them being able to jump over in a hurry to make finals are we locked in for 23 games next year we are aren't we yep yep plus one they just have to be plus one on the win loss and whether that gets them a final perhaps might not but i would say be a plus one so they won 10 games last year. They've got nine, nine now. Down. And if they get 10 this year, it'll be because they've got the extra game to do it. So in terms of their win percentage, it'll be lower this year, even if they win this game against North Melbourne tomorrow. Their ladder position's gone down, one from last year. It feels like they've improved, and yet they've done a Gold Coast on us, haven't they? They haven't really. So he's got six ladder positions to play with to improve them. Damien Harbick, if he scrapes them into the eight, well, great. They've made the eight for the first time ever. But if they finished ninth, tenth, and eleventh, they've also improved, which so that, should be, which is what we want at least to, to get them to that point that they're playing in round twenty-four for a spot in the eight. Yeah, but they, they're getting a bottom six draw, and they've also got Freo in a bottom six draw. Who I expect to rise from the Adelaide Crows in the bottom six draw. So, yeah, that's right. Oh, and Hawthorne's going to be better next year. One or two year. traditionally jump up. Are they the one or two? And Hardwick will have a uh, a spike mm. with their effort and intensity around the contest, well, their you know structure, Jed game Walter. plan. How but... Jed Walter? Will he be able to... Because Aaron Cadman struggled as a key position player first year. Mm. So Jed Walter, will he come in? Will he play? He's going to get a game ahead of Levi Casbolt. He probably gets no. a game in front of Marby Achol, doesn't he? In that forward well, line? Well, maybe not. Okay. Maybe not. Marby Achol could be... If he gets himself right and actually... 
yeah. Men- mentally yeah. set up. He's not, it's not the best twenty-two middle name. player. Could be feels like his middle name. Well, that's that's right. <laughs> but yeah, and now he gets his old coach back there. He does, doesn't that's it? True. As well, so yeah. that's what so accurate. It's actually cruel. What could be? Yeah. is his middle name. Well, he might he might There's end a big up if over him. Yeah, because he might need Damien. So if you haven't Harvick's seen it now, you're not going to see it. Is that what? No, no. I'm saying that Damien Harbick might end up being the guy that Marby's child needs most. Well, at this point of his career. Dimmel, the, the noises he made when he left Richmond, the noises Dimmer made was that Dimmer does like him. Mm. So hopefully that goes well for the young lad because the world is full at the second level of people with Marby or Chol's talent and his application. Yep. So they gave away three 50-metre penalties last week at critical times in that game. And, and you would hope that they'd be a bit more disciplined under a coach that mm. maybe is a little harder on them as well. And they were costly 50s as well last week. One was a double 50. He plays, he, he plays his players on the edge, though, Damien Hardwick. Mm. So they, he might see some, some issues early on. Mm. But I think you'll get that edge right. With, Bailey Humphrey uh, will get better. Group. Mac Andrew will get better. Bit of fear of the coach. Mac Andrew's shown a fair well, bit this year. I like mm. that. Mm. I like what he's produced in the last part of the season. Fear of the coach will be good for him. Yeah, I think yes. them, it, It's more about system <laughs> than effort for me and what Hardwick gives them. I just, um, I just get a feel of... Walking down the hallway and looking the opposite way when you go past Damien Hardwick's office, so he doesn't call you in. That's the fear, Jared, mm. that he needs to create. Yeah, are the, are the they'll be relevant. That's the other good part. They'll be relevant. Yeah, yeah, and maybe a chance to whatever they can amount to in that community over a couple of years. I think that's what we'll start to see. And yep. bigger crowds. Yeah, which oh. will be a great. If they're a winning team, yep. then we'll actually get to see what it can amount to. Mm. We've never had that opportunity yet. Um, were the Bulldogs right to stick absolutely unequivocally with Luke Beveridge? Yeah, I, th- I think I've been thinking about this quite uh, quite deeply over the last week, Jared, and I think that's the well, I know that's the right call. Now it's for me, and I, and I spoke Wednesday night on this that it's it's a full stop to where what Luke Beveridge has done in his mind. He needs to create this full stop of won the flag in 2016, another grand final in 21. Yes, he's achieved some great success as his tenure so far. But for me, for him to go on to be a career coach for a longer period of time, a full assessment, internal assessment from Luke on himself and the way that he's, he's, he's coaching, his player roles, his role with the, the, club, the club itself, the media, all these things need to be fully assessed properly by, by Luke and others around Luke so that he steps out of this and starts a whole new era of his, of his coaching tenure in this competition. Now, it's at the Bulldogs, and if he gets it right, then he's there for the long term. If he doesn't, then it's on Luke Beveridge now to, to, to absolutely get this get this aspect right. Cycles of, you know, the peak and then the trough, the low, with mm. coaches, even if they win early-ish in the first four or five seasons, they don't always get back to the promised land. No, that's in right. In fact, more often than not, they don't. Mm. And it's like... It's like a player. I remember at the eight-year mark of my career, I put a full stop on it and said, okay, what's, what's next from this point? I've got to hear what's next from that. And you start to actually talk openly about where you're at seriously and what changes you need to make, what people you need to get around you to, to make you a better player or coach in this system. I think Luke Beveridge is at that point, maybe at the halfway mark of his coaching career. He's a better coach now than the season when he coached the premiership? Do you believe yes, that? Yes, but he's a, he's a different coach now and I think there's ele- well, I think there's elements of frustration of not being able to get back to that point well is that frustration making him is that allowing him to be as good a coach that's, as 2016 but that's my point because it was it was fresh and it was energized and mm-hmm. it was a, it's a it's it's just the nature of the competition that over time Derm things edge into the way you coach the way that you're trying to influence groups. They're not responding as well as what they had in the past or had in that period of time. Mm. So you've got to put a stop to that now to work out how to get the best out of what he's got currently on the list going forward. And he's got some – he's got the best player in the comp on his list and a few Pretty others well, that, yep. that, aren't, that aren't too far behind in terms of a talent perspective and some youngsters that could really sh- shine in this competition. So yes, I think it's a team is – mediocre by the placement on the ladder. So therefore, I think he's got a real opportunity to put a stop on it and get going with what he's got in a new way, in a completely new way, because the current way has paused 
from where they where they are as a club, and they need to press play again in another way. So, final one on this because I'm really interested because I know you love them and you study them more than any one of us. Will you see a, a radical? Do you believe there'll be a not radical, a seismic shift? to a different style of game for 2024 and beyond? I think there has to be an element of change to the way that they play the game. I, I think there could be some positional changes that may have such a positive effect on, on the group, not just in, but seriously train those players to play various different roles than what they currently are. But he's thrown a few around already. Yeah, but you can't just throw players around them. That, I'm, I'm big on this. You, you can throw them around for a... For a uh, a sugar hit. But if you're seriously going to change players, you've got to coach them properly over one or two pre-seasons to make it work effectively. If, if you don't, you get a hit, you get excited about it, and then the norm, just the competition catches up to that because they assess it. All right. A couple of quick ones to finish. If the Saints have a home final, should it be at Marvel? <laughs> we argued for home finals for years, yep. Jared. No. Only because you got dudded for all those years. <laughs> it's the right that's, thing to do, but they wouldn't do it for you. Exactly. Exactly. If you, if so be, this, there depends, should be no questions around the first week of the finals. You should host wherever your home wherever ground your is. Home ground it doesn't matter play which yourself. home ground it is yep. around the country. You should host week one. Who are they, who are they likely you, to play week one? Possibly Sydney here. Possibly it Sydney. Could be the other way around. Yeah, we it played all our Sydney. Sydney finals here at the MCG, but no, I... I actually hope they do get the opportunity to play at Marvel because that, yeah. on a serious nature, that's their home ground. They play extremely well there and they deserve the right you to jockey host it. for 24 weeks to give yourself the advantage. You are 24 weeks of playoffs to give yourself the upper hand and advantage mm. and then somebody takes it away and says, no, we can get a bigger crowd in the other place. No, you want well, your advantage if, if you've earned. If you're giving a home final to the GWS Giants at their venue, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be giving it to St Kilda. Now, will fans... Will fans be disappointed because they don't get in, potentially, from a St Kilda point of view? It's possible, but 54,000 is a pretty good number. There's a few I'm, that... I'm, get... I'm on your pay side. It would just, only happen... This should never be a were, debate. If they were hosting a home final against the Melbourne team, though, it would have to be here then, would it, Jerry? Yeah, in the, in the way that it operates. Okay. Yeah, but that's not how it should be. Hmm. Week one of the finals, doesn't matter what your venue is, you should be hosting it. Now, you'll get accused of that being the Geelong coming out. Well, yeah. we've never been successful. <laughs> I so love the wee, little wee in there. Beaumont Tiles, the new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks. <laughs>